What town is this? Uh, we're in Cusick. Cusick. Everything up here is spelt weird. Yeah. We're, we're working on... Uh, I come up here, and we're working on uh, Bart's Kalispell. Uh, what what would you call that? Um, as far as who he works for, or as far as what the study is? What the study is. Um... I don't really know if he has a name for the study. It's Macalspell Natural Resources. We should make a name for it, like something really cool. Yeah, it it doesn't have a name yet, but we could probably figure something out. We should make it, or we'll just name it and just start calling it that, and like you just start saying it enough that that's the way it's going to be. But yeah, so we're we're up here doing a, a study that Bart George is the lead biologist on a study that Macalspell Macalspell Natural Resources is doing. Macalspell or Macalspell? Macalspell. Kalispell. I was thinking, how many Indian like reservations in Washington do you think there are? Oh, I don't even know. Um, I mean, on the east side of the state, you have kind of three main tribes, four main tribes, I guess. Which is um, what? Yakima, Colville, Kalispell, and Spokane. Um, but on the west side of the state, you have, I, I don't even know how many tribes there are over there. There's there's a lot of them. And you, you're over in the Colville tribe. In the Colville, yeah. Col, Col- Colville. Now you, what's your background? Like you, you should be an Indian, but you're not. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I guess. uh, So I'm a, I'm a direct descendant of the Colville tribe. Um, As far as, I guess the paperwork end of things go. um, My great grandma's bloodline doesn't go far enough back on paper. And so I, I kind of ended up as just a descendant of the tribe instead of an actual tribal member. Just like one of them grade dogs. Yeah, basically. He's like a grade (laughs) dog. Not quite paper, but you, you got you know, the right li- lineage there, there yeah. but you just don't have the papers. <laughs> you're right there. Well, papers don't catch my. <laughs> we, we don't know how good your blood is, James. We got That's what they use the papers for. So. He's got to work twice as hard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> just, say that's a good way of doing it. Um, so we got James Van Geistel. It's me and James. It's two people. We don't have three. Normally we try to do three for some reason, but you joined us um, for. Uh, I think it was actually the first podcast. No, uh, Don Gilbert was our first one. Oh, so yeah, it was after um, that. No, John and Blank. Uh, John Kreiderman. Kreiderman. Yep, there you go, John. And it was John, John something, but yeah, John Kreiderman. That was a fun one. Actually, we got done. We were just, I come back from um, working this over there because we were talking the story about uh, the pot farm. Oh, yeah, yeah. So. But this one's going to be more about you. So that one was we had you as a guest on for John. Um, couple things we're going to talk about. One is is you you do a lot of what what we define as like work in the dogs. Like what what I found when I come up here and hunt with you guys, it's work. It's yeah, not, it's it's a lot of work. It's not fun. No. I mean, it's, it's fun, but it's not it, like it, enjoyable. Yeah, it has its days where it's a lot of fun. But you, I mean, there's a big difference between running your dogs to just go out and run your dogs and, you know, enjoy it versus running your dogs to get a job done. There's a lot of setup involved, like, you know, organizing. You're sitting there waiting to bring the dogs in. You know, they got to go work the cat first without the dogs. Um, We should probably tell a little bit. I don't want to get... I don't want to get too far into Bart's study because I want to bring Bart in sometime to talk about it. Yeah, that'd be really good. Um, But I do want to talk about what we're doing and what we've learned. Because you've been a part of it and some of the fun stuff of walking in on a on a cat. Yeah, so kind of the way this works is we're, you know, we're trying to show that you can 
I guess, in a sense, modify lion behavior with the use of dogs. Um, well, you're not you're not trying to show. You're you're asking showing, the question. Yeah. You're so the way this uh, study, like what I talked to Bart, is you ask the question. So you have this hypothesis of can you change cougar behavior, right? Yeah, and we uh... and, and so. You've done it for about a year and a half, so you kind of know. You're starting to see the answer. You might know the answer more before the final paper is drawn up. You're seeing some of the. Yeah, I mean, we're we're seeing results that are definitely leaning towards that. Um, yeah. You know, we'll see as the study goes on and as it finishes up how that works out. But one of the the coolest things about this is we get to see the collared cat in real time every. Two to two and a half seconds, two and a half to, seconds. To two minutes. However, you want to set that Garmin collar up. Yeah, and how it responds to a person without the dogs. You know, just just a, a a voice or speaker playing. And then when we bring the dogs in, we get to see the cat and the dogs, and the interaction between those two things, which is really cool. So I want to talk a little bit about that too. Um, but first. How many times have you walked in without the dogs doing the... Oh, you know, I I guess I don't know the exact number off the top of my head. Um, a fair amount of times. Do you get anxious about it sometimes? Uh, you know, when we... So when you were here last year, yeah. um, we had Bradley, buddy's son Bradley, come good along. Thing, and... good, it's a good thing Laura doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> yeah. So we, we had Bradley, and uh, we had a line that was... Um, no, so... Hold on, so I gotta preface this a little bit. This this chair, I'm sure people can hear it. We're we're sitting here in this little tiny home, and it's, and it's tiny, and it is way tiny. And the chairs they give us are like I'm not surprised we haven't broken two chairs already. Yeah, they're um they're like, a little rickety. So I'm gonna try not to make the chair squeak a little bit. But if you hear the chair squeaking, I know that's probably gonna be annoying, and we can't cut that out. But anyways, what happens? What we've seen so far is. The first time you interact with the, the cougar, it, it doesn't just run off. You can off. get pretty close. It, yeah. it gets pretty close. You can get pretty close. And then after the third or fourth time, then, then it, it kind of, we see that it doesn't really like the sound. Well, I didn't quite know that this cat was on the first round whenever I was like, yeah, take Bradley with you. Yeah, so we, uh, the cat had been collared and she, she hadn't been worked from the time she was collared and. We go in, um, turn the garment collar on. We're... So so when you say the first time, so the first time you do it is you, you catch the cat, you dart it, you put a collar on it, and then you wake it up and leave it alone. And, and you, yeah, so, so, so the cat... we're, we're just finding a lion track, yeah. running it, or you know being called to a lion sighting or mm-hmm. whatever it may be. Um, catching that cat for the first time, tranquilizing yep. it, fitting it with... Uh, Vectronics wildlife collar as well as a Garmin T5 Mini. Um, so it has no, it's just, it has no idea that it's, that it has no interaction except for it, it got a, it got tranquilized and put a collar on it and then we leave it alone. And yeah. So, and so, so the next time you go in, so the second handling of the cat, you, you, uh, you do what? So, yeah, we, we go back, we, uh, locate that lion, we get, kind of an update um from vectronics depending on how many hours that collar is set to um get a general idea where that cat's been um go in locate it with telemetry kind of get as close as we can and turn that garmin collar on um wake it back up 
and then we're looking at it in real time. Yeah, and and so you can see exactly, and that's the coolest thing. You can see exactly where that cat is, um, just on your on a on a Garmin device. So it's like you know exactly where. So then you leave the dogs back. So, yeah, so, so I, we, I was like, oh, send Bradley with you. That'll be fun for Bradley. We actually ended up kind of uh, at an intersection there on the road and, and woke that collar up. And the line was just, I don't know, maybe, what, 75 yards off of yeah. off the road. Um, and so I took Bradley with me. And we were, I think, at the time, 250 yards away from the cat. Um, started walking in from there. And uh, so what we're doing is we're, we're walking directly at that lion uh, with a podcast playing at 80 decibels kind of a normal which is loud yeah in the woods when you're it's, when you're sitting there like in the woods and it's like you got a podcast playing this loud it's like it's un, i mean that alone is unnerving like, yeah and so you know it's it it is definitely louder than a normal human conversation mm-hmm. as you're just walking through the woods but um we're we're walking directly at that lion to see basically how close we can get to it before it gets on its feet and mobilizes. And once it mobilizes, we're recording that distance, how far it goes before it settles back down, and then kind of mapping that escaper out as far as cover class and vegetation and yeah. what it's going through. Um, well, the day that we had Bradley, it was we had just a rainstorm from hell. Um, it was super windy. The cat happened to be laying right down by the edge of the creek. And, uh, we walked in on it and we're getting closer and closer and I'm looking at the GPS and I yeah, don't, and I can see both you, I can see Bradley cause I have the yeah. GPS clipped on Bradley. <laughs> so I'm tracking Bradley and the cat at the same time. And I'm like, Oh, you want to know what to talk about holding my breath. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like oh, at least James got a gun, but I'm still sitting there going like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like what, what am I doing here? Yeah. So we're getting closer and closer and, uh, we leave the road and we're walking in on it and I'm looking at it and we're, you know, 60 yards, 50 yards, 40 yards. And this cat still hasn't got up and, and started moving. And I told Bradley before we even left, you know, just stay in my back pocket, stay close. And, uh, so we walk in there and I think we ended up getting to like 18 feet. Um, and it was just thick brush. I mean, you couldn't hardly see right anything. And so we get to like 18 feet and the wind's howling and it's raining. and um the cat really hasn't moved. And uh, I kind of got to a point where I was like, you know, I got Bradley with me. I, how close <laughs> This is I a really... bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> like, what were we thinking? But when we, when we thought in the beginning, it was like, yeah, we're on the road in the pickup truck when you're making the plan. Yeah. And so I kind of got to a point where it was like, you know, I got to do this study. But at the same time, like how close is too close? Yeah. Um, especially when you have a kid with you. And so we got to 18 feet. And luckily, she got up. Um, she got up and moved. And, and at 18 feet. It was thick enough that we still never saw her. Yeah, um, but she didn't just run away from no, you. She no, circled you guys. No, she didn't run. She, she circled us and, and stayed within 30 yards. Yeah. Um, and she held tight there for probably, I don't know, two or three minutes before she finally moved out and crossed the road. And uh, I'd gotten to the point where we were getting close enough and, you know, had a kid with me. Where See, I, that's something you don't know about James is, James, you don't have kids. No. And so I was thinking, like, after you left, I was like, you've, you've never experienced that. I mean, maybe you have in some different scenarios, but it's like that kid 
life solely revolves revolves yeah. around you. You're like the you're the protector of that kid. And as you're walking away, I was like, I maybe should have told him a little bit about the feelings you're gonna have because at the point where you're like normally you're just like, yeah, whatever, it's you. You know what I mean? Like you you got to just tell yourself to man up. But when you got a kid there, you're like, it's like there's a lot more pressure there. Sometimes you don't. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> it was uh you know it got to a point where I I had a pistol out and was sitting there kind of glued to that GPS waiting for this line to move. And I had noticed that Bradley had kind of really sucked up right close <laughs> against my back. And anyways, the, the cat had finally moved away and crossed the road and we gave it time to kind of make its escape route. And I got a hold of buddy on the radio and said, yeah, go up there and, yeah, and turn dogs, the dogs loose. loose. And, um, so we that's got, when everything starts settling back down. Yeah, <laughs> so, I was like, okay, we got the dogs are on the ground. Everything comes back to a normal pace. Yeah, we get dogs turned loose. We're walking out, and I turn around, look at Bradley, and I mean, his eyes were the size of pool balls, and he <laughs> he kind of looks at me. And he's like, I knew when you got the pistol out, I needed to be close. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that was that was a little close for comfort there, bud. I didn't do it. one thing. I didn't realize. I didn't realize I was the first. And I may not have, I may not have, I may not have the same decision if I would have known that was the first time we worked a cat, just because I know I went up with Bart on the first one and I walked with him and, uh, it's, there's, you know, I, I imagine doing it a couple of times and, and Bart's been in some situations, but she's had him pretty close, you know, several times, but, um, it's like, you're glued to that GPS. You're like looking at data that's real time. And the stupid thing shows a dog, you know what I mean? Because it doesn't show a cat. So you're like, that's a cougar. It's like, that's a cougar. Your mind's going, that's a cougar. That's a, that's a cougar right there. 20 <laughs> yards away, there's a cougar right there, and I can't see the damn thing. Yeah, it, uh, you know, it definitely gets your attention, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, so that's the one of the things that I wanted to um, – I've only done it once. I don't think – I'm trying to think if I went in with them on the other one because I've always held the dogs back and let the dogs go in, but – um, I haven't had any of those close, close, close encounters, but I can imagine that your heart starts like you're questioning yeah, yourself. Especially, you know, when you're, when you're in that, you're within that 20 foot range and, and you still can't see it or, and you can't hear it. I mean, yeah. when that cat left, even from 18 feet away, um, you know, between the weather and the, the stream running right there and everything else, we never heard the cat leave. Um, it wasn't like it, it bolted out of there or there's no breaking branches or anything like that. I mean, it just kind of slunk away. Yeah. You, you wouldn't know if it were, if there wasn't. A, no, a if you didn't have a collar in that cat, you, you'd have never known that that line was there. Yeah. And that's, that's, what's most impressive is, is being so close in some of these and working in some of those situations, even like the cat today we've seen cross the road Yeah, and, and we were able to, to watch it. We've had this car come. So, so we're, we got the dogs back. They go do the thing. We can see when it, when it escapes and we go, like, oh, shoot, it's going to cross the road. So we go down there and we got the camera out. We're sitting on this road and this car comes by. Subaru of all. Subaru. Yeah, <laughs> all a Subaru comes by. And uh, I'm I, I'm filming because I'm like, this cat's going to cross the road. And I, we, I thought it was going to cross in front of him at first. And uh, you see this car and, and we can see on the, on the video that when the car, before the car, there's no cat. But, you know, and then the car goes in the screen across the road. Right in front of us, as in, as soon as that car passes. So if you'd look at that, you know, if you imagine the the cars coming from your left to your right, I'm sitting in the in the. It's like a person waiting for the crosswalk. Yeah, if, you, if you're if you're sitting there, and I'm sitting on the left side in the ditch, crouched down. I got my my GPS in one hand and my phone hitting record on the other hand. You're shooting down the road, 
and there's this car coming. I'm like, what in the hell is going on? We'll see a car all morning, and then all of a sudden we like got this cat. cat I, I really thought that car was going to turn that line around right there. Yeah, yeah, we were kind of thinking what was going to happen. And uh, so if you can imagine the cars on the left side, and I'm watching, you know, 200 yards up on, on you know, 179, 200 yards is where the cat was. And uh, there was no cat, no cat. And so the car comes and blocks the view. And so when the car leaves the view, you can see the cougar sitting there on the side of the road just by the timber, just standing there looking at the car. And that car stops. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 couldn't, I, didn't, I didn't take my eyes off because I was like, there's the cat. And the car stops on my Parked right here, you know, three feet away from me. I'm just ignoring this guy. You know, he's got the window down. Yeah, he's asking if everything's all right. And we're, I mean, we're crouched down in the ditch and I got a radio and a GPS <laughs> and I'm trying to whisper at him, like, get out of here, you know, and everything's <laughs> fine. Everything's fine. There's no problem. And he's he kind of, I think we're some weirdos. Yeah, like, he gave us just a wild We should have just told him Bigfoot's about <laughs> across is what we should have done. And uh, so he drove away and it was almost like that lion waited to watch the car get out of sight yeah. and uh and then ended up coming over and, and crossing the road right exactly. in front of us and going up the other side of the hill i think that's exactly what it did because yeah. it wasn't until the car left that the cat actually started walking again yeah and so it, that makes you wonder how often that happens how many times has a cougar crossed behind you that yeah. you never even know um, yeah how many miles have you put on a truck looking for a line track just to have one walk right behind you and you know never turn around and go back down that same road yeah and, and that cat wasn't 20 yards off the road when that guy drove by no if that i mean right. it it had to watch the the but, Subaru yeah it had by. to be you know 10 yards i mean it was he probably could have looked over and seen it if he had been paying attention yeah i mean yeah. It, it, it's a point where um those interactions are are fascinating to me because you just don't get to see that a cougar in natural habitat and i want to say natural because it's it's fleeing from a sound, so I mean, but it has it hadn't. There'd been no unnatural. Uh, no, other than a human voice. I mean, there was no exactly nothing out of the ordinary that that pushed that cat down to there. Yeah, j- just a just a a radio playing, basically human voice. Somebody walked towards it, and uh, and so it was moving away from that, and and you know changing locations or whatever, and so that part of it was just fascinating. And we and we see that a fair amount. Yeah. Um, you guys had one hop. It, it was it was a woodshed, and it went. Yeah, we had down. we had one real similar situation to that. It uh it ended up coming down and across the road right in front of the truck. Um, and we had turned loose on it there, and it ended up jumping on the railroad track. And uh, the the snow was deep. It had to have been there was every bit of almost four feet of snow. Right. Um. It jumped on the railroad track and it followed that railroad track all the way into the town I own. And it the mill pond there was frozen, um, right. so it ran across the mill pond. And at that point in time, it was like you know we when you guys to, seen you're watching this. Walk. Well, yeah, we physically watched the cat come across the road and hit the railroad track. Um, you have dogs on it. Or? We put dogs on it right there, right there. Okay. Um, so you watched it walk down the railroad track. Yeah, before and, you even uh, had before it had a dog, it was just before being a cat. It had dogs on it, yeah, and so. We turned loose on it, and uh, that he just he kept going and going and going, and I mean, on that railroad track, you can cover some ground, and so I ended up crossing the frozen mill pond and ended up in the town of Ione, and it's you know like a Wednesday morning, <laughs> um, and we're at this point beating feet trying to get you know into the residential area, and it had come down across a couple roads. Um, now that cat. 
I'm going to be clear. Because there's going to be people who don't like... They're going to say, oh, you ran that cat into town. And that's not what happened. No, no, that's that's not what happened. That that cat was... For one, he'd been hanging around town. Yeah. Um, had been in, been seen in town. Actually, was at the car wash uh, the night before. Um, and he was heading back into town. Yeah, but he was heading to town before there was yeah. dogs or anything. Yeah. I mean, he... Under his own free will. And we were only, I mean, within city limits, we were probably half a mile um, from where this whole thing started. And the town of Ione's, you know, really small. But, I mean, we were we were basically there already. Um so yeah, it comes down, it crosses oh, I don't know, two or three residential streets. Um they they got shot at twice. Uh you know, the phone was really ringing at this point in time. Yeah. Um we had a couple dogs still on it and they crossed through a few backyards and it ended up in a it was like a single car garage they turned into a woodshed. Um and the the door was open or maybe there wasn't even a door on it, but either way it was open. And uh, so it's a 189 pound tom ends up on top of a stack of tamarack firewood in the back of this woodshed, and <laughs> we get in there and get dogs pulled back, and um, we'd gone around in the back of the woodshed and we're kind of knocking on the wall, trying to show this cat that hey, you got an opening to get out of here. Yeah. And uh, so it, it finally, after I don't know five or ten minutes of that, it comes out of the woodshed. Um, my pickup was parked out on the road. And uh, it leaves that woodshed, runs underneath my truck, um, across another yard, jumps a chain link fence, and ends up in a carport um, back underneath a bass boat. And so me and Bart come out, um, back out on the road, and there's there's two local ladies there, and they're standing up on top of my truck at this point in time. <laughs> and, oh, my God, there's a cougar, there's a cougar. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, we know. And so... We end up, uh, it's, it's underneath the bass boat in a carport. And at this point in time, we call the game warden and ask, you know, what do you want to do with this cat? Yeah. He, he gave us the option, um, if we wanted to collar it or, you know, if we thought that it needed to be put down and we wanted to continue on collaring it. Um, but we didn't have any drugs with us at the time. So, right. so, so this all started from a, 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 a nuisance call. Um, yeah, this was a cat that had been, been around town been, quite a few so times. They were like, yeah, there's, there's this cat that's been bothering Yeah. Him. Um, and so we, Bart asked to run to get drugs. So all this happened before you had a collar on it? Uh, no, this one actually had a collar on it that was not working at the okay. time. Um, and so we were at this point in time going to switch that collar out. Yeah. Um, so we get some drugs and uh, walk in there to dart it. And it had been laying in this carport at this point in time for like two hours. I mean, they're plowing snow. The mailman delivered <laughs> mail. You know, it's like a normal. FedEx is coming. Yeah, oh, my, the cougar in the Like boat. a normal day. And, and it's just laid in there underneath the bass boat. And so we walk in there. And sure enough, as soon as we start walking at it, it decides, okay, now it's time to leave. It had a nap. It was ready to yeah. like, And so... It it bails out of that backyard, jumps another chain link fence, crosses the driveway, and the next door neighbor happened to have a porch. Their back porch, they'd been shoveling snow off of it all year, and it was maybe two or three steps down into their yard. Well, the snow was piled up as tall as the porch was, um, but right underneath the stairs, there was an opening. And so this lion runs underneath the porch. And uh, <laughs> so we end up in this backyard, and 
the guy opens the door and he's like, you need a flashlight? And I'm like, yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> and so he opens the sliding glass just door. Just reach in there, James. Yeah. Just reach. <laughs> he hands me a flashlight and he's like, there's a shovel on the side of the garage. And so we grab a shovel and start digging a hole out, trying to see where this cat is and stick a flashlight down in there and see it. And I'm like, oh, Bart, there, to, you know, there he is, dart him. Well, he starts digging a, the line starts digging an escape route out the back of this porch. Um, and luckily we jumped So they up. can dig, huh? They, that one could. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's a normal thing or not. Back but, feet or front feet? That's, uh, that's the question. Front. When they're digging out of a porch, do they use the back they feet use or the, their front? Are you sure about yeah, that? Yeah, from what I saw. <laughs> okay. Um, so, yeah, he, he burrows his way out from underneath his porch and we get a dart in him and um, ended up getting his collar switched out and. And actually, that line, um, I think you were up there that that following week, and we tried to locate him, and ended up almost there at the Canadian border. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he ended up actually going into BC and and was killed. Is by that the one that got there. killed by yep. in Canada? Yeah. So he he went up, crossed border, and we put enough pressure on that cat that that he actually left the country. Literally, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the hell with this U.S. Yeah. stuff, man. These guys are. He ended up in Canada and. Um, was legally hunted and killed uh a couple weeks later really yeah i wonder who um i i can't remember what that guy's name is he but he he called bart uh bart actually ended up seeing a picture of it on facebook um with the collar on it and got a hold of the guy and you know was like hey is that a was that a Kalispell tribal collar and the guy was a little apprehensive at first, I <laughs> think, like, to say, yeah. Afraid, afraid he'd kill the like, yeah. one sheriff. is like, well, I don't know if I can. That's the big thing. You shoot shoot a lion with a collar or a deer, elk, or anything. You're anything, probably, yeah. Everybody seems to be apprehensive that, is it legal? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, so, my God, I just killed somebody's, you know, study animal. Let him know, yeah. I mean, you're you're totally legal, but we'd like to get that, that $3,000 necklace back because those <laughs> yeah. aren't cheap, you know. Right. Um. And so the guy ended up getting the collar back down here to the States and we were able to get the data off of that. I've heard guys um, like other places that they would get dummy collars made to have it mounted with the dummy collar. Oh, yeah. Yep. Did Bart give him a dummy collar? I don't know if he, I think he might have offered that guy maybe an old broken collar or something. Um, but I, I can't really remember yeah. how that all panned out. Yeah, I was. It always. It'd be it'd be one thing, you know, from a houndsman. You know, that guy totally had to know there was collars. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I mean, you're looking at a tree, and but (laughs) but you know, know, can you imagine that guy going, okay, some collars on it. It's 189 bow cougar. Some collars on us, man. We're gonna go in the crocket, Tom, sitting up there. We're gonna go ahead and take the cougar. Yeah, we'll worry about the collar situation here in a (laughs) little while. Exactly. So I'm glad I got Brad Burke got his collars back, and that cat probably is, is probably better that he was dead anyways. As yeah, much, he as was. Much uh, problem as he was giving everybody. He'd been down around town quite a little bit. He was uh, comfortable. Yeah, car wash, very, very and, comfortable. Um, you guys got some video of it. Yeah, we did. But that, those types of things. One of the things is, is you guys being able to keep up with that thing real time with the. With a garment yeah. is, is um you know, and that's like you saw today, there's there's times when you're running dogs on on that line with the collar on it that can be very frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um when you're you know, you're watching what your dogs are doing, you can physically see what the lion's doing. And, you know, there's times you're sitting there in the truck just 
smashing your head off the steering wheel. Like, why can you guys not figure this out? <laughs> yeah, you had the cat right there. Yeah. You, <laughs> um, you like the two-way radio, like Della, right, right there. <laughs> Look up, Della. Yeah. But there's, you know, there's also times where, um, you know, it's definitely. I know in the past, um, or I would assume in the past, there, there's been a couple lines that we've ran that have done stuff that if you weren't physically looking at that line on a GPS, you would think your dogs were screwed up. Yeah. Um, coming back on their own track or, you know, whatever it may be. That one, I don't know where the heck we were, but there was one that was just uh, running and dodging and diving. Oh, yeah, and it went up, took a hard 90 degree, and then yep. come back down on its own track and yep. took a hard 90. Yeah, I mean, if if you were just running your dogs and not knowing that where that line was, um I think they overran that and they came back to yeah, it. They overran it and then, you know, because it would just tuck in a hole and the dogs just blow by it and then it squirt out the hole, which in, I would have never like, okay, on a bobcat, I would have said, yeah, yeah, you know, I, I could see a bobcat doing that, you know, but to watch a lion yeah. do that. Yeah, it know. definitely, it, it puts a lot into perspective when you're, you know, you always say, you know, I trust your dogs. Um, and there's times where no matter how much you trust your dogs when you leave the truck, you don't always trust your dogs when you're watching what they're doing. And, and you know, that, that line right there is a prime example of you don't necessarily always know what that cat's doing and what that cat's capable of yeah. as far as maneuvering away. Yeah. And every, everyone's most, most of the time, I think most of the time it, it's, you know, what do we call a textbook or whatever? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean, usually it's a pretty clean textbook race. You know, yeah. they go in, get it jumped, get it moving, get it treed. But you do have those rare instances where you you watch that race back and you think you're running a bobcat. Yeah, you know, really, it was a really hot, fresh, jumped line track that that cat just for whatever reason was making the moves that it made. And you make it makes you wonder if it. Um, if it learned that, or you know, what I mean, yeah, who and, knows you know, and, why that cat acts differently, or um, like bobcat or any anything for that matter, just just um, why did it sp go back on its back? Yeah, you know, how do the dogs miss? You know, like, yeah, like, like you, there's a cover. In some respects, you'd be like, oh, that's easy. You straight up go there and nice, easy locating a, a treat. And even today, our, our, you know, I don't know that we had. I don't know what you had for dogs. I know what I had for dogs. I didn't have my best tree dogs in there. Yeah. And, you know, they they caught it, and they circled around, and I think if we had had some really good locate tree dogs, dogs in there, yeah. locate dogs, they would have located on it and, and settled the pack in. But having a pack that wasn't settled, they went back and, and checked the backtrack and started to talk. You know, it's a point where they, they were going to talk themselves in. I don't know how far they're going to go. I, I, I want to say not very much farther than we'd let them, but we still. We let them go a couple <laughs> hundred yards and then decided, no, we're, we're going to turn this around. And We sent a mess. We sent a text message. <laughs> to told them to turn around. They figured it out pretty quick at that point. Yeah, yeah. The text message was all caps. Yeah. <laughs> I think I was yelling the text message. Pretty much like, turn around. And I didn't, honestly, I didn't know if we were going to blow that up or not. I didn't know what they were going to do. Either did I. And, you know, running a mixed group of dogs, you don't really ever know what you're going to get also. Right. You know, you take dogs that aren't used to running together and throw them in a box and run them up on the hill and turn them loose and expect them to trust each other. And I figure it's going to go either one or, one or two ways. 
one, it was they were going to haul ass all the way back to us and be at our feet. <laughs> like, okay. Or two, they were going to turn around. And luckily they turned around and went back there. Yeah, they made the better decision there. <laughs> and uh, and they, they located the second time and settled in. And it looked really good. It would have been awesome. But to watch that without knowing, we would have. Would have been really difficult. Yeah, like you would have kind of known. You know, you could have, you could have pieced it together, um, but I, without actually knowing for sure. I mean, you know, it's one of those deals where it's it's hard to say. Yeah, when when to train and when when to let let things lie. So it just seems like it's a it's a lot of work. That's the one thing that's that's different is we get to see a lot of things. You get we get to run the dogs, but um such a small part of it is the dogs. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, especially here, it's like, number one, we're working a hotter track, much hotter track. Yeah. You know, about as fresh as you can get. Yeah. You just jump the cat yeah. by a human jumps the cat first. And then, um, most times the dogs chase the human to the point, you know, they're, they're I don't know. My dogs have gotten that much exposure to it, but I know, but, yeah, know, like Mabel today, we we dropped her in there, and she followed Bart's tracks into they, they, where they, they know the, they and, know the run, they, and, they know what's going, and down. then went in there, and um, you know, they kind of learned that at the end of Bart's trail, there's usually a line to chase. So yeah. Yeah, that's what Jeff was. Jeff was joking. He said, "Yeah, we can make some some really nice search and rescue dogs. Yeah. These dogs just you know, see some tracks go off in the woods, and they put these dogs on them. They're like, yeah, there's a cougar down the bottom of these tracks. Just got to follow these them. boot tracks. There's a line at the end of it. Right. I don't know. You see these boot tracks. Going to have start dogs being like, what the hell are they doing? They cross this hiker. They're just chasing. But this. that is that is really nice when when they get to that point where you can let let them follow Bart into the woods and then find that track. Because it's not always. It hasn't been that easy. Yeah, I mean, it's not always 100 yards off the road and there's a line. There's times where it's, you know, three quarters of a mile up yeah. the hill and over the drain. It, you know, it, oh, yeah. it can be a wreck. Walking dogs in and yeah. trying to, to, you know, and then and then you're intercepting a track. So, you know, a lot of times the cat's been laying there. Yeah, like that one. I mean, that line had been kind of all over the place up there and yeah. embedded down. And, and so you're sending dogs up there to somebody who, you know, my dog, my dogs don't know Bart. Yeah, they don't you know live with I mean? Bart. They're, they're you know? Like, who's this Bart? I don't know. Yeah. Just go here, and he's here, and there's there's a cat here, and so they're trying to whether they're going backwards or sorting it through, and 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 there's a there's a there's a second thing that's that I've noticed is you know where the cat went before the dogs do. Yeah, and so you got dogs that maybe going backwards for a little bit, and well. When I go back to hunt without snow, that's what I got. <laughs> I mean, I you don't know, yeah, you don't know if they're going backwards or forwards. Or I don't what know, doing. so I got to let those dogs work a little bit. And you know, it's real frustrating when you're like, "No, it's going this way," and the yeah. dogs look at you like, "What? Why don't you get down here and catch it yourself, asshole?" Yeah. Like, I mean, if you and uh, so so that's another stress point that it's like you your our expectations of these dogs sometimes are like. Go in. It's pretty simple. The cat went that way, and you so you send these dogs in, and 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 they uh, it 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 always takes time to start a track, and, yeah. And that doesn't change with the dogs. You know what I mean? Like when you start a track hunting, if I if I start a track, when, you know, wherever I get a strike off the truck, let them down. They don't just all line out after the cat. You know what I mean? Like they they check over here, they crank up over here, and they you know find the line out, and then they they start working it once they once they kind of line it out. Then they'll start making tracks. 
same thing happens for the dogs. You know, I mean, they're the dog don't get the GPS yeah. signal to be like, oh, the cat went up here for 500 yards. They've got to do the work just like um, we, we just get to see where, where they're making mistakes and where they turn. And, I mean, sometimes you see them hang up on something. It's like, why did they hang up right there? Yeah. You know, if you weren't working, you could go in there and kind of look at that. Yeah, they had a little bobble on that one there today. And, mm-hmm. and you don't realize, without having that cat collar, you don't realize – how much distance that little bit of a bobble can cost you. You yeah. know, that line keeps moving out and out and out. And as those dogs are held up on that one spot, I mean, you can go from being 70 yards behind that lion to 270 yards yep. behind that lion, you know, real yeah. fast. Yeah. And, and that's the, that's the interesting thing that we've all learned. And we kind of know in our head, you know, that we, you know, running dogs, it's like, okay, you know, every time, you know, dogs make a lose, every time they make a mistake, it gives that cat, that and much, it, you know, they got to work twice as hard to get caught back up. Yeah, and watching that happen real time, it's like, you know that's what the case is, but watching it, it's like, you're almost like, oh, no, guys, you got to go. Yeah. <laughs> and you can't go in there, you know, you can't just zoom in there and say, hey, no, you got to go right here. Yeah, it's, it's like three three quarters of a mile. You're yeah. like, you guys go. <laughs> um. That, so that's that, that's the interesting part of it's almost like knowing too much sometimes. Yeah, you know? it really is. There's times where you just kind of got to not even look at the GPS, not look at the screen. I mean, that's a habit that I got into, you know, long ago is not kind of relying on that GPS, but it's hard to, it's hard to not look at the GPS when, when you can watch that lion and, yeah. you know, you're halfway glued to it as, yeah. as far as what's supposed to be happening. And so that kind of wraps us up to like working you know, cause I would, I would kind of claim this as working. You know yeah. what I mean? Like we got a job to do. We've got to X, Y, Z. We got to get the data on the cat. We got to catch the cat, you know, and whether you're pulling the collar or you're, you know, wh- yeah, I mean, it, whatever there, there's, there's things we have to do. And it's like, you start off with a, um, I don't say a checklist, but it's like, it's, it's kind of a checklist. I mean, yeah, basically it's a lot different than, you know, leisurely going out and, and running your dogs and just hoping to catch a cat that day. I mean, mm-hmm. my expectations for those dogs when they leave the truck is, you know, they go in there and not catch any cat, but I mean, they catch that cat. They need yeah. to catch the cat, um, not come across another track and take it or, you know, what have you. They're, they're there to do a job. And like for this study, you know, I mean, to gather accurate data and kind of keep it the same across the board, you're kind of hoping for a real clean race every time. Yeah. Um, so that way, you know, not that you can say that that's necessarily a control, but you know, in a sense, um, you want to put dogs in there that, you know, without a doubt in your mind are going to go in there and, and catch that cat. I mean, yeah, you losing can't just, is not really an option. Yeah. You can't, um, exactly. You can't run too. And this is true if you're whether you're hunting or, or doing this for work. But on this scenario, um, if you don't catch the cat, you just have to regroup and go again and, yeah. and again. You know what I mean? It's like you, you can't not catch the cat. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's you, part of you the study. You have to go in there and you have to catch that cat. You, you got to get the data. If you don't get the data, um, I'll see if I can go to water here. Um, then, then it messes the whole study up. It's like yeah. you got you to have nice, clean data. Um, it's got to be the same. It's got to be consistent, and so, so that's the thing is, is um, 
you're, we're always looking at like what dog to run. And especially when I come up and there's, you're mixing dogs. I mean, you guys got to mix dogs too, yeah. but it's kind of like, uh, there's a lot of pressure there. Yeah, it's definitely, it's, you feel more pressure, you know, doing this than you do. Like I said, if you're, if I'm just up in the woods for the day, going to, you know, try to catch a lion at the end of the day, I don't really necessarily care whether or not I catch that cat. You know, I'm there to work my dogs and train my dogs and whatever. And if, if we catch a lion, we catch a lion. If we don't, we don't, you know, you hit a loss on a, on a day off or you're just up leisurely hunting and the dogs can't figure it out. Well, you know, that's, it sucks, but that's the way it goes. Yeah. Um, versus something like this or, you know, whether it be guiding or, or catching collared cats. I mean, they're there to do a job and, and they need to get it done. Yeah. And then the flip side of working your dogs too much in this scenario is when you let them out of the truck, they, they're expecting a cat. Yeah. I mean, they're, <laughs> that could I've, be a frustrating part. I've had to wrestle with that a little bit here over the course of the last nine months where, you know, they get really used to, after doing this a bunch of times, they get used to you're putting them out on a red hot track and, and there's a lion there. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, you go back to a day off or you're just going to go run your dogs and, and you do battle that a little bit, uh, you know, as soon as they get out of the box, they're just assuming like, you know, ah, let's, where's, where, the boot yeah. tracks? where's the boot track? We We're going to go catch a cat. It, it takes a little bit to settle down and, yeah. and get back into that, you know, just roading and hunting and, and looking for a track versus, and I know there's a lot of guys that, that go out and physically look for a track and put their dogs down on a right. track every time. But, um, you know, that's not necessarily the way that if I'm, if I'm hunting, just to go hunt that's that's not really necessarily the way i do it yeah well i mean if you don't have snow if there's you know there's a whole a whole bunch of variables a whole there. bunch of variables that you know you can hunt a certain way and you can be like okay well if you only hunt the snow you look for a track not saying take anything away from that but no to have a dog that's like okay well we have this this cat that was seen here or whatever whether you're getting called out or or you just know a cat's in the area. You just learn the landscape by watching dogs crank up. You can learn a lot by a dog in the yeah. woods. Um, if a dog gets too used to just coming out of the truck, looking for boot tracks. And 100 miles an hour hitting the ground, just <laughs> yeah, ready to roll. I mean, that can definitely, there, it's it's kind of a catch-22 there. I mean, you get a lot of dog work. It's, it's great as far as starting young dogs. They get, you know, a, a lot of exposure to a lot of cats. So um, what what do you think is different between the work you did for uh, Washington Park Fish and Wildlife? How how was how was this scenario different than that? Because I I didn't help you with um, any of that. You know, when we were working for the State Department, um, I guess the dog work aspect of it was similar. Um, other than we didn't know where that line was. You know, we went up, we collared a cat. And after that cat was collared, we never handled that cat again. So working for the State Department, um, you know, it was... So you pretty much, once you put a collar on it... Just that like was it. it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, done. the the biologist had, you know, he went back to his computer and sat down and looked at the data or, yeah. you know, however they did that. But as far as ever knowing where that cat was again, um, it wasn't like we were watching that in real time. So it was a lot of going out, finding a track you know, running it, whether it was, and a lot of those tracks were, I mean, good conditions, you know, fairly fresh tracks. Yeah. Um, 
but you know, more you, like a hunting, more scenario. like a hunting scenario. Yeah. You know, yeah. You go out, you cut a track and you, okay, you look at it, you just look at the size and you go, okay, this is the cat. We're going to try and target yeah. it, put a collar on. I think, um, you think you're learning more about cat behavior on this round than a hundred percent. Yeah. There's, I, I don't know if there's any way out there that you could learn more about cat behavior. Um, yeah. I mean, just getting to, you know, work these cats week in and week out, lion to lion, um, and watching everything in real time. I, I just don't think that there's any better way that anybody could sit down and, and learn more about mountain lions than, than watching it like this. Yeah. Even to the point of watching how they traverse the land. Yeah. You know, um, you know, I mean, and you could learn some of this by following tracks or whatever, but, but, you know, Watch it's a lot it. faster way to learn it. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. You can see him, you know, like the, the one today, you know, stayed at a certain elevation. And at some point he, he turned and went down yeah. across, you know, what made him, you know, I may have known what made him chose that way. Cause we had to go up that rock yeah, slide. That, and it was like, it wasn't a, the most fun, but so maybe he knew that area better than we did. Cause when we decided to go up there, it was a pain in the ass. Buster, you know, fell down. But Man, yeah, he kind of followed that same elevation line until he decided he was going to come down. And then when he committed to coming down from that elevation, I mean, he straight lined it right down yeah. to that drainage. How often do you see a change in direction? Because, um, like, in, in – this chair is going to drive me nuts, man. Um, I would say when you're, when, you're, when you're hunting and you're cutting a track and you see a cat going north – most of the time, you can try to cut another road north, and you know and they don't. You'll find it, yeah. right? They, they, you know, a lot of times they travel when they're traveling. They travel in a straight line. They don't change direction. Depending too on, often, but you know, depending on terrain, uh, um, yeah. you know, they're not going to come out, and I shouldn't say they're not going to, but chances are they're not going to come out and go across a wide open clear cut. You know, I mean, they're heading north. They hit a giant clear cut out in the wide open. They're going to probably hug that tree line and skirt around the timber, and you know that could be a change of direction there yeah um usually you're not going to find them out in the open like that unless they're pushed out to the open like that yeah yeah we, I, like i said it'd be interesting i think bart's going to be i think he's going to have a, a a real authority on on cougar yeah, behavior i believe this. so too you know as far as what you know it the amount of data he's collecting if you just just in the the raw points you know what i mean you think of a vectronics caller two points you know i mean you know you might get a point every day you maybe might get, they get one or two maybe they get four points a day you know what i mean like and you see some of these studies in the state where they okay well there's got to be a kill here because the things right back back yeah he sees a lot of points or you look at some of this data well you're getting a point every two seconds yeah and and watching it traverse a, a landscape to go you know there's just so much interesting data you know, there's no never really been, you know, nothing like this has ever been really done before. This no. is all something that it's a learning curve, you know, as we go. Um, but, you know, there's no, there's nothing to really follow as yeah. far as something that's been done in the past. I seen a, um, a biologist uh, out of, uh, what was it, Yellowstone? I'd have to look up the email. I forget what the guy's name was, but he sent me a. A little thing and I, I should probably share it with you guys but it showed um the energy you know it was, it was uh, uh i think it was like an accelerometer in the mm -hmm. collar so you could see you know how much that 
oh, this chair is going to drive me nuts and I can't get a better chair. Like, this is all we got, guys. I'm sorry, <laughs> man. Um, if I was a if I was a real podcaster, I wouldn't even mention the chair. I'd just ignore it. <laughs> you know what I mean? It drives me nuts. I'm like, I got to talk about the chair. Anyways, in the collar, they have this, uh, it's like, I don't know, it's a gyroscope or an accelerometer, but it, it measures. What yeah, the- you can measure the energy as far as the amount of energy they're using to yeah. escape. It goes up and down yeah. and left and right. And so you can kind of, and so he sent me the data on a kill where you, he can see the stock. You know what I mean? You see low, mm-hmm. low, low. And then the the burst when it chased it. And then the struggle, the fight. You know what I mean? You can see this laid yeah. out on this collar, which was the only thing that, you know, I want to say real time because you got that months after the fact when yeah. you got the collar and you downloaded the data off the collar. You could see, okay, this was a kill. You know what I mean? You could see, you know, that collar was moving, you know, or this is what a normal walking cougar looks like. You know, how, mm. how the collar moves up and down and you can just see that little bit of movement. And then you can see where it stops and it stalks and, and and just little movements, little movements, nice and slow. And then all of a sudden it's just, and then it, and so yeah. I, I, he sent that to me. It was, uh, you know, we can look at that with the Garmin too, as far as their max speed and their average speed and, yeah. you know, everything else during that, if you want to call it an escape, um, you yeah, know, the once dogs. they're mobilized and moving. Yeah, it it's just fascinating. So I'm I'm hoping I don't know. Do you know when he's gonna? We need to get Bart on here. Hopefully tomorrow we can do a podcast with Bart too because I'd like to talk some of the the science. Yeah, I'm and the not data. sure. You know when this data will be. Hopefully out. he didn't get mad at us for talking. About I don't know when this data will be released. Um, you know we're gonna we're gonna basically have. Um, I believe it's 300 captures by the time by the time we're done with this. So. That's impressive. Um, I mean, that's a, that's a lot of lines for for studies. Like you know, anybody that's like you said, I, I think I asked you know Washington how how many think you know some of those Washington biologists. You, you know, know that guys. last study, I think we did twenty nine. Twenty nine. So um, twenty nine captures. Like, and that period. was that was way over their expected. I think I think when we were first approached about that study, they asked if we could call her five. Um, <laughs> five. Five. Uh, <laughs> we can do that this weekend. Uh, well, I think I think Bart actually, if I remember right, I think Bart told him we can catch five this week, and and we just ended up having a record day the first day on that study, and we caught five in a day. No shit. Um, <laughs> just so, I wanted to prove a point. Yeah, like, we'll go catch five today, and so <laughs> um, I I think they were they didn't expect that right out of the gate, um, and. They definitely didn't expect us to catch as many as we did, right? Um, and that might have that might have surprised them a little bit. Yeah, yeah. The there's so much um, you learning and working some of the political side of the stuff in the last couple of years and seeing um, in Oregon, Washington. I mean, everywhere. Washington is really bad right now, but the the politics behind the departments on some of this stuff and there's there's right politics and there's left politics you know there's there's hunting groups you know which which I'm a part of you know I mean like I I have a board seat for hunters heritage and so there's there's ranchers and and hunting organizations that want you know they they exert pressure on cougars and and stuff like that and then there's also the anti hunters and and they have exerted a lot of pressure um and so seeing some of this play out and watching some of the um i don't want to say uh 
the emails or or whatever you know some of the 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 stuff that you hear you know you, you hear guys um the little birdie gets out you know what i mean you'll hear you'll hear the little story about what what happened at a meeting or or what so and so said in the department and and uh really i don't know but you know the the uh, boils down to just watching over the last couple of years when the department gives a a presentation to the commission and and i again i I really lean towards the hunting, you know, Hunters Heritage Council, the, the Washingtonians for Wildlife, you know, the ranchers. I am really suspect of the density population that, that you know, Department of Fish and Wildlife gives out. You know, they say in Washington, if, if, if you haven't followed it, it's 2.2 cougars per uh, 100. 2.2 mature lions per 100. Yeah, they don't count uh, they don't juveniles. Count, yeah. And so 2.2 adult cougars not juveniles so that'd be over two years old because they count under is it two years old I three think years old I believe. three years okay it's two or three one of the but they don't um if it's under that they, they say they don't count that in the uh the quotas and so um that's how they come up with their 2000 cougars in the state of washington yeah. or whatever and i really suspect that that when when asked about that, and and even talking to other state biologists in, in different states, and I'm not going to say names because I don't want you know. There's there's so much <laughs> yeah. there's so much competition yeah. in some of this. So you hear something, and you're like, yeah. But I mean, I was over over in a different state, um, with an organization. I was just talking about you know some of the things, and they go, yeah, I don't I don't understand. They they don't get why Washington does it that way, and because I was just asking, them, I was like, what you know why are your numbers different than their numbers and and so there's just really what i'm learning is is there's a lot of personal you know what what you believe in yeah and what you listen to and washington comes down to books they say well this is the average of um we've i've looked at all the different studies all over and and 2.2 per 100 square kilometers is just what the average is over across the landscape and so sometimes there's a little bit more and sometimes sometimes there's a little bit less and so so they just go by yeah this is what the average is and i'd like to see them find out yeah what the I, real number is i know that we'd blow that number entirely out of the water yeah. um i mean i guess i can't say i know without <laughs> There being some sort of a study on it, but I would, I would bet when they when they ask to catch five and, and you, know, like, we, you can catch five, yeah, I mean, the the numbers are are drastically larger. Um, you know, I we were up right here, um, in this area two two weekends ago. Um, had a little bit of fresh snow overnight and ran up here looking to collar a cat, and uh, we had thirteen thirteen different lion tracks. Um. And actually, while running running one cat, uh, another guy that's helping us with this study, he was running a tomcat, and as his dogs were turned out running that, he had a female and two subadults cross right in front of him on the road and walk, you know, 100 yards from his pickup, cross the road, and head the other way. And <laughs> he went down and caught Tom, and those lines went the other direction. And, yeah, I mean, we we had 13 different lions, um, you know, right up here in, in this given area. Why do you think... I mean, without getting into the politics and, you know, I, I, why do you think they don't, they don't want to look at that? Why, I mean, what, what makes you think? I think it's a lot of, I guess, maybe pride, you could say. Yeah. Um, And that those upper biologists have, you know, this set in their head. And I think a lot of it's, a lot of it's based off emotion. Um, 
and yeah. there's not any real, you know, newly done science on any of it. And I, I just, I really feel like when it comes to mountain lions, for whatever reason, there's a lot of emotion-based decisions behind that. There's a ton. There's um, a ton. You know, if we were talking deer, elk, moose, bear, any sort of other animal, um, I, I feel like it is definitely managed differently than, than mountain lions are for, you know, whatever reason. And whether that's, you know, people, you don't see mountain lions very often unless you're doing something like we do. Um, yeah. And there's a lot of... That's what I don't get. Some of these people... Um... Yeah, I was in Oregon. I was at a commission meeting down there, and and a gal was like, "Oh, I just love the bobcat." You know, I'm like, "Well, it, if you really love a bobcat, like you would fit, you would fit right in with me. Like <laughs> I do too. Like to watch one and to look at one, and you know, I I mean, I, I love the dog part of it too. You know, I mean, that's that's definitely a, a strong part of me. But it's like these people have no clue." we're living their dream. Yeah. Like if they got to walk in and see some of this and yeah. watch, you know what I mean? mean? I'm you like, go out every day and see a mountain line. Yeah. If you're would... willing to jump in the truck and throw on some snowshoes and, and go, I mean, I can go out and show you a mountain line every day of the week. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, man, you'd rather look at a calendar, yeah, <laughs> see a picture I mean, on a calendar and be like, Oh yeah. Some stage look at that. That's and, such a beautiful yeah, animal. It's, so it's like, man. <laughs> and, and it's like, well, you can go out get out, get out of your house or your apartment or your condo or whatever it is that's got your calendar, this beautiful mountain lion, which, which we got pictures cool yeah. too, but, but, and have some real life experience and actually get out and enjoy it. And, uh, the appreciation is just there. Well, so. and I think there's a, there's definitely, you know, I think houndsmen in general are looked at from a lot of these folks is just bloodthirsty killers yeah. that you just want to go out and kill everything that climbs. And, I mean, yeah, I, I guide mountain lion hunts in North Idaho, and mm -hmm. we kill a few cats a year up there. But, um, you know, I myself haven't filled a tag in I, I don't know how many years. Um, right. It's, it's been a long time. I've had depredation calls where I've had to, you know, actually yeah. kill a cat. But, you know, the, I have dogs that are, you know, six years old that have, that have never seen me shoot a mountain lion. Um, and have caught, you know, I would be willing to say somewhere around 400 cats. And yeah. I think that image that a lot of people have of houndsmen in general, you know, isn't always the truth. There is, you know, those select few that they do shoot everything that climbs or, you know, whatever, yeah. but or are in it, you know, more for the harvesting side of things. But, um, yeah, I, I think that there's... I think the majority are not, though. No. And, but, and we we don't do a good enough job, and I don't know how you do, because it takes a lot of work to present the image that you have to. Like, I know we've been working a lot on... And we're four years into trying to change people's minds. Exactly. And, 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 and you know, starting at the legislator and, and myself have gone to Olympia every year for the last four years and met with different senators, different representatives. Some of them that like me. Some of them that yeah, don't. <laughs> some of them that don't, you know. And, and and sitting there and talking to them and learning and just putting a face to a name um, is is a lot of work. I mean, yeah. it, it, it sucks. I hate it. I'm like, man, I do not want to go to Olympia. I get up there in the morning and, 
and no, there's you feel out of place. You're not about any of it. You're like, oh, I don't, I don't know where to start. I don't know what to do. And you know, I've taken a couple people up there, and it's just like you just got to go in there, and you got to, you got to try to explain what's what's passionate about. Yeah, I'll never forget that first time we we pulled into Olympia, and we pulled down in there, and it's three ford f-350s with dog boxes in the back of them and we pull in this parking lot full of priuses and subarus and and park and we walk in this building have it's nowhere. really hard to find a park <laughs> yeah. super duty i'll can't tell you hardly, right now can't man. hardly find a place to park in there we walk in this building you know having no idea where we're going or what we're doing and uh knock on the window and we're like oh yeah you know uh, we're here for the for the working dog meeting yeah <laughs> but yeah it's uh I mean, you got to put the work in and that's the only way you're ever going to change anybody's mind on it is to, you know, stay persistent on it and try to push everything in a positive image and, and show them, you know, why we're really here and what we really do. And, and, the, and the one thing, if you're listening to this and you're, you're, and, and so I want to, cause I got a lot of people that are like, Oh, what, what, what do I need to do? And I'm like, really the, the best thing you can do is meet your representative. Yep. Know who your representative is, know who your senator is, and and reach out. And when they're campaigning, it's best. You know what I mean? Like if you can, if you can reach out when they're on the campaign trail or whenever they're they're campaigning, that's a good time to approach them when they're when they're because they're they want your vote. Yeah. <laughs> they want something from you. You know what I mean? And and to to walk in when you want something from them. Is a lot easier <laughs> when they need something from you. <laughs> when you when you when they, when they gotta ask you first, you yeah. know what I mean. If you can, that's what I figured out is whenever they gotta ask you for something first, they want your vote, and so um, don't wait until you need something from them. Yeah. My biggest advice that and stay persistent on it. it yeah, I mean exactly. that was you know I'll never forget the the first time I called Joel Kretz, mm -hmm. um, you know, before years ago in May and. You know, I called him and he was at home and I was sitting at my house and started kind of took a while to get a hold yeah. of him the first time. He's a rancher. <laughs> yeah. Sit there and, and talk to him for 15 or 20 minutes. And yeah. you could tell at that point in time, you know, he didn't really think we were serious. Right. Um, yep. And we didn't necessarily know. We the, didn't know if we were serious. We didn't either. really know what we had going on. We did not know the amount of work it was going to take to move forward. And I. I will say we were fair warned from Joel um, from that first get go. You know, if you guys want to do this, it's going to be a long road. And it definitely was a long road. And there was a time here just even a couple <laughs> weeks ago where Buddy had to talk me off the ledge because I was I was ready to be done with it. And we were, you know, right down at the finish line and I was frustrated and yeah. I, <laughs> I was ready to tap out. It, yeah, it, it it is. It's not for the faint of heart. And I don't. So Laura was asking me, she's like, you're not going to get into politics, are you? I'm like, hell no. no. I'm like, no, I'm not running for politics today. <laughs> I, I can't do it. And number one, they they meet in the hunting season. Yeah. <laughs> They're up there right now working, and, and that's just not going to work for my schedule. No, I'd, I'd rather be in this tiny house than, yeah, exactly. than over in Olympia. Yeah, and so, but with that said, it's really nice to be able to call and be persistent enough to where when you call, they know your name. Yeah. Like that's that if you can just be at that level and it don't expect it to happen right away. No. It, and you get they, and they, they do seem really willing to help at that point. I mean, yeah. once you're to that point where you've made that personal connection with them and they realize whether it's they realize you're not going away. 
<laughs> and they're tired of dealing with you. And so they're like, okay, what do I need to do to help this guy? To, so he stops calling me. Yeah. Or this, this guy, leave me alone. <laughs> you know, whatever it is, uh, it, persistence definitely pays off. And that's really the only way to, to succeed at it. Yeah. Um, uh, a guy, a mentor, my, he passed away like 2005, a long time ago, Rod Clawitter. He said, uh, in, in order to change something, it takes relentless pressure relentlessly applied and i i carry that forward to this day it's like man you have to keep that pressure and it doesn't mean you're there every day but it, it means every year yeah i try to read you know if it wasn't for covid i'd make a trip up to to the capital and be like i'd swing by you know mine mine is larry hoff brandon vick and uh senator rivers you know i mean those are my three three people and i if I get up there, I'm going to swing by, even to say, hey, I got nothing to ask for. Just want to come say hi. And they appreciate that. I, yeah. you know, and, and, uh, once you get to the point where you got their personal cell phone number mm -hmm. yeah. and are on that level, I guess, I think it, it, it starts to change things. Yeah. And, and they realize that, um, again, you got to start when they need something from you, which is, yeah. which is, uh, uh, a vote. And and the other one is uh Mike Thorman. I, I we did a podcast with Mike Thorman and I may have I don't know if I mentioned this in the podcast or not. Um I was over there for Michigan, um, and I was sitting there with uh I was I was one of their legislators, you know, they had a big breakfast you know, the next morning they had a breakfast there and there was a bunch of us over there and I got invited to this breakfast with their you know, couple guys at the table, you know, president of uh Michigan and Mike Thorman and and uh, I don't know if it was a senator or a legislator, and he goes, he told me, he's a, the best advice he gave me, he goes, buddy, I've never, I don't remember every check I get, but I always remember my first, and uh, as far as the donation check. Mm -hmm. So if you ever get somebody that that you know is going to be a good representative, and this, this happened to me with, with Larry Hoff, when I, when I seen he was running, I don't know if it was on Facebook, or whatever. I reached out to him. I said, "Hey, I want to, I want to meet you for, for coffee," and uh, sat down with him. Realized he was a hunter. He had really good moral. You know what I mean? He was, he was, he was a good dude. I could tell he was a guy that that um, not not what I would call a dirty politician or whatever. You know, I mean, they all. I don't want to say that they all, but most of them. <laughs> most of them. Yeah, I would. I would. Yeah. There, there's definitely some politics, and there's some behind the scenes stuff that happens. Um, in, in Olympia, you know, there's, when they make sausage, it's, it's an ugly process. Yeah. You know what I mean? You don't want to watch the sausage. <laughs> the sausage tastes really good, but to make the sausage, not exactly the funnest process. Anyways, I, I had the opportunity to, to, you know, it was not a big check. It was just a small check, but I got the opportunity to be his first check and, uh, and I told, I was honest with him. I said, I had, I had talked to a guy in Michigan. He told me, he goes, he'll never forget his first. <laughs> and so this day I can be like, Hey, Larry, I was your first check. He didn't have an account set up whenever he, he uh, said it. And so that's one advice that I can pass forward to anybody. So if you can figure out who your representative, if you can see that that person's going to be, have a good chance, uh, and, and, and they're going to represent you well. I don't care if it's 50 bucks, man. Get in there and be the first $50 that you hand to that person because they will remember your name. Yeah. And and, and especially if you tell them you're, you're 
you know, what your agenda is. I, I just want to be your first check. That's period. That's all I want to be. And it, and it worked for me because because to this day I can, I can call up Larry and and I, I don't want. I I hope we can be friends after he's out of the office. I don't know how long he's going to last because I don't think he likes being a, a representative. <laughs> I think I think he's he thought it was uh he says it's a lot more work than he thought and he doesn't necessarily like the politics. Which yeah, is, I can't even imagine. Th- those are the kind of guys we need. Um. So, anything we missed, James? Where do you, where do you start? Like, so what do you got for dogs right now? Um. So right now I have uh right now I have a really young pack of dogs. Actually, my my oldest dog will be six in May, and everything else I have will be coming two years old or or coming a year old. Um. So it's yeah, they're a young pack of dogs, but they're they're working together really well. Um. And they have you know more more opportunity than most i would say um just doing this type of work um these dogs definitely see more cats than you know the average guy can just go out and catch an ear yeah um so it's it's a young group of dogs but i i don't think you'd ever really know that if i didn't tell you that i mean they they work together pretty well um some days are better than others but uh you any train wrecks with them having young dogs yeah there's always train wrecks (laughs) There's always train wrecks, but uh, nothing real major in the last year. Um, knock on wood. I'll, tomorrow will probably be a different story, but no, I I haven't had, and I don't even want to say this, but it's been a long time since I've had any sort of a trash race or, you know, anything of the sort. Um, I tell you, a trash race. You know, we didn't have a moose race today. But we were, we pulled up on the snowmobiles. Me and James went up to go locate this cat. So we left the dogs in the truck and we ran up on snowmobiles. <laughs> and uh, we're getting this collar. We're, we're looking, you know, James is looking at this and I look down the road and there's a, and I haven't seen a moose. Like I've seen the ass of a moose run. I've probably seen one. I've probably seen one at a distance, but I've never seen one up close. And there's this moose, I don't know, 40 yards. Yeah, probably about 40 yards away. 40 yards. Straight on, I mean, dead in the road, looking right at us. And we got our snowmobiles parked side by side. And I'm like, take the phone out. I'm like, hey, James, there's a moose. I don't get to ever see a moose. And I'm, you know, he's like, oh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> James is like, well, I have a moose. You ever seen a moose? I'm like, no, I've never seen a moose. I'm, I'm zooming in on this moose and I take a picture of this moose. And then all of a sudden, this moose starts trotting towards us at he, 40 yards. He was coming. He was lined out and he was coming and I've seen the videos, James. I've seen the videos of guys on snowmobiles. But he's like, "Oh shit, he's coming at us. What do we do?" And I'm like, "Uh, we we need to get the hell out of here." And so I I bumped the starter on that sled and I was going to video this moose, but I'm like, "You know, I just don't want to be the guy that's videoing, but I don't know how. How dumb do you got to be?" To sit there to and sit let that there happen. And video a moose about to attack you. Yeah, you either and, have to never seen a moose attack a person before, which I have, because I was not <laughs> going to be the guy that was like. And the weird thing is, it crossed my mind. I was like, <laughs> I should video I'm this, film this because I can make, make, maybe I'll win the ten thousand dollars of American video or whatever. But I, I'm like. I know how that goes. I've yeah, seen that I, video before, and I don't want to be in that video. There was a time, uh, and we don't run into it near as much as we used to, because, and I guess it's hard. I blame the wolves, but um, there in North Idaho, we, we used to run into moose like that. I mean, all the time, especially in the spring once snow got deep. And I mean, you go out and see 14, 15 moose a day, legitimately. Really? Um, and 
you know, you come down a road and there's one standing in the road and I, we've always tried to, you know, at that point in time, the snow's deep, winter's been long, you know, don't put any more pressure on them than you need to and, right. and let them kind of just get down the well, road. We were and just out of the sitting way. there yeah. minding our own damn business. And <laughs> we so, weren't even pressured. It was, I didn't even see it when we drove up there. I don't know where it came from. Yeah. The, the one thing I have learned about them is, is when they pick a direction to go, whether that's at you or away from you, when they line <laughs> out, that's, I mean, they're coming. There's not like an if or when, or, I mean, it's, if they, if they decide to go that way, they're going that way. Um, <laughs> that way was our way. <laughs> yeah. And so it's usually best if, if that way is your way and they're coming to do everything you can to, to get out remove the way. yourself from the situation because <laughs> they're a lot bigger than you and and they don't necessarily care that you're sitting there on a snowmobile i was I about i was just about ready to chamber one i'll tell you <laughs> i was like <laughs> about like, the starter on the sled and it it yeah it's turned around and went kind of the opposite way but <laughs> i no, felt like it's... a kid james i was like james what do we do what do we do what do we do i'm like i've never seen a moose before this is my first time seeing a moose before all, I, all i've seen is the camera the 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 you know where they attack guys on snowmobiles and i'm like they for some reason moose do not like guys on snowmobiles yeah they i don't know if it's in and so bruce said that uh they they don't like polaris indies um it was a polaris <laughs> I mean, indies maybe or, the moose had bad no it was tundras 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 okay they, he had he used to have skidoo tundras and uh he said whatever it was about those tundras the the sound of that motor apparently um <laughs> he said they do not like tundras and every time he rode a tundra instead of turning around that moose just came at him um, really yeah and then <laughs> that was kind of the deal oh, but i don't have a moose tundra can right be, now you can have a lot of wrecks with moose that that same guy uh one of the i guess most memorable wrecks i guess you could say that i've had in quite a little while is we were up in North no, Idaho. We got to finish this whole <laughs> moose story, but so, anyways, uh, that moose came from about forty yards, maybe with twenty yards. About twenty yards. It felt like five, but <laughs> you know what I mean. Like my my, and they covered ground fast. I, I don't know archery hunt. It was coming in. It went from forty to twenty really quickly, and uh, and he, I look at James like, what 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 do we do? I felt like a kid. I'm like, what do we do, Dad? <laughs> and he's like, let's get. God, I mean, beep. <laughs> Shannon, can you beep that out for me? Okay, let's get out of here. So he starts firing up, and I'm thinking, how are we going to turn around? I watched him go from 40 to 20, and I'm like, I don't, I didn't know if that was a good idea or not because I was like, I didn't, I was mentally running through the the paces that I was just going to be like halfway. Throw a rewind and just keep going Maybe. and reverse. Oh, and, see, I, I mean, was going to try and turn around. No, yeah, it's. Uh, so I was like, my, so Chris tried to turn around on one up there in North Idaho, and, and it didn't work. He got turned around, but it was close. <laughs> and uh, once he did get turned around, he held her to the wood and got out of there. But it was, that thing was coming and it was not slowing down. See, and... you didn't tell Chris. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't have a manual on moose manuals of how to uh, get, you know, back away from these. For, for these non, these, like, for you me, climb a tree if it comes down to it. Well, there was no tree in the middle of the road. I was, but in my mind, turn around was reverse forward and i'm thinking there's not enough time james there's not it's, enough it's gonna time. be here it's gonna be here and uh and so i didn't even think about just running reverse for a while you would have been like and i'm like thanks james just <laughs> like, hold a rewind and hope for the best <laughs> anyways he fired your sled up and, and luckily it turned and uh so thank goodness we didn't have a tundra is all i'm saying yeah i will never buy a tundra, a tundra that's they don't like those apparently 
You got anything else you want to cover before we wrap her up? Nope, I don't think so. I've learned a couple things. So, so number one, yeah, all of our listeners, and I haven't, even, I haven't told you the last thing I learned, but it, it involves the moose. Meet your representatives. Meet your senators. That's that's the first thing. If you can do something, I want you to do. The second thing, when you run into a moose on a snowmobile, just throw it in reverse and get out of there. <laughs> if you don't have reverse on a snowmobile, <laughs> go buy reverse on a go buy a snowmobile with reverse. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you guys. You guys are done. That's when you just get the video. don't have a tundra. You, you might get, get no tundras. So that's we kind of learned a lot in this one. No tundras. I want to make sure every snowmobile I got gets a good reverse, nice and quick. And uh, if you don't have reverse, you might as well start shooting a video of it. Because yeah, because you're going to get, you're gonna he's get, coming anyway. He's coming. And then the last thing was I was uh, running Jeff out of there. And uh, he, was, uh, he started howling like a wolf. And then he started getting it on. Because we come back up through there, right? Yeah. Because I was going to take Jeff up there to go to work the cat before we realized it, it changed direction. So anyways, we're coming out of there. As we go up there, I see the moose pulls off the road, and I'm like, "Crap!" You know, and I can see the tracks, uh, and I'm I'm thinking, "This is not this moose. Uh, this moose is my nightmare, right?" So, <laughs> so anyway, I get past it up there, and uh, the moose is off the side of the road. I I seen it ditch off in the in the timber, so I pass it, and I wasn't sure the same moose because it had come down for a while, but it stayed in the timber, and so I didn't see his tracks on the road. And so I'm, I'm a little nervous. I'm like, we, we get up to where me and you turned around and I see its tracks. And so I'm like going around the corners real slow, you know what I mean? Like peeking around the corners. Like, am I going to see this thing stand on the road again? And, uh, so I finally get on his tracks and I can see where it trotted and I can see where it ran down in the timber. So then I'm pretty sure it's the same moose that me and me and Jeff seen. So we get up there and then we get that collar and realize that collar is down close to the road where you guys were. So we're like, shit, we got to turn around. So we got to turn around again. Luckily, I still had Jeff with me. I wasn't by myself. And and um, come down there, and we're going in there, and we're looking at the snowmobile tracks, and it's like, there's moose tracks running down in our snowmobile tracks again. <laughs> and I'm like, damn it. We're going to see this moose a third time. You know what I mean? Like, So I'm going around corners real slow. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to be right up on it. You know, I'm like, I had a lot of questions. I'm like, Jeff, how close do I want to be? He's like, right about here is good. And, you know, so we see it trotting down the road, and then we just maybe give it 60 yards, you know, 70 yards, and we're just following it as it's trotting and jeff jeff howls like a wolf and he's like yeah howl. they don't like that howling and i'm like oh <laughs> thing pinned its ears back and was just getting it going and i'm like okay no tundras howl like a wolf and throw it in reverse <laughs> that's all a guy needs to know in moose country that's what you need to know in moose country no learn something new all right man well let's wrap this up Yep, perfect. James Van Geistel, this is a good one. You got nothing left to say? Nope, I think that's it. All right.